So, like, take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off, you hosers. If only we could fly. Welcome back to Hosers. This is episode 73. I'm your host, Chris Killingsworth, and joining me as always is my co-host, Thomas Williams. Thomas, how are you, man? How's it going, Chris? It's going well. Carter uh, is not with us, but you did a pretty good Carter impression. I did. Yeah, I had to do that impression. I'm getting in the role. I'm getting in the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. And uh, we've also got a special guest tonight joining us from uh, Vancouver, BC. We've got our friend John Cullen. How's it going, John? Hey guys, going great. Uh, glad that your other host uh, couldn't make it for my big uh, hosers debut. <laughs> it feels like a bit of a slap in the face, gonna be honest. Uh, you know, Thomas didn't tell me that I was only getting two thirds of the hosers experience. Shows what I mean to you guys. But hey, anyway, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Good to have you, man. Listen, let's just cut, get right down to business. Uh, Thomas yeah. texted me when, uh, when he had talked to you about coming on. And I'm familiar with your work. I listen to Real Good Show. Thomas got me onto that years ago, and I know you got Blocked Party. He did not mention that you have a new metal podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to hit you with this. Yeah, let's cut to the Fuck, case. Mary Kill, Scott Stapp from Creed, Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit, or the singer of Godsmack. I don't know his name, but I can... Uh, his, name, his name's Sully Erna. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. You don't, you don't, need, <laughs> you don't you need Wikipedia when I'm around. Um... <laughs> Okay, uh, I think I mean this one's pretty easy actually. Okay, um, I think I think you uh, you fuck Sully for sure. Okay, uh, for those of your listeners who oh. don't know, he's a practicing Wiccan, um, so he's like a, you know he's a, like a warlock or whatever they call <laughs> themselves. So you know he's into some weird ass shit. Lots of candles, uh, yeah. you know, good times, and he seems like one of those guys like he'd be rough, but if you wanted it, if you wanted it nice, he could also do it nice. Yeah. Then you okay. then you'd you'd marry Fred. Uh, he's got a shit ton of money. Yeah. You don't want to fuck Fred because Fred, two, Fred wrote two albums about a, a woman who um, he describes as like being like untamable because she was bisexual. <laughs> oh, um, I did not know this. Oh yeah. There's like so so on POD cast. So that's my my new metal podcast. Once a month we review a classic new metal album, and part of the reviewing the album is we go back. And we try to find articles like from the time period when the album came out. Okay. And uh, when Significant Other came out in 2000, they did a profile of Fred and they, and they were like talking about, you know, oh, this, this album sounds like you're, you know, you're particularly mad at someone. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, I had this girl and then she like fucked all my friends, but like you can't <laughs> trust a bisexual woman. Like they're just, you know, oh it was just like a very like 2000, like year 2000 <laughs> view of bisexuality. It was like very difficult to read in the year 2020. <laughs> He also yeah. says the N-word in the interview. So, yeah. you know, Can't it is what it is. Yeah. So, but you'd marry him because you don't want to fuck him because he just, he'd take it too personally. 
right. write like five albums about you, so you can't have that. So okay. you marry him, take his cash. What and he actually doesn't seem like too bad of a guy. Like he hosts that like jazz night in LA or like yeah. back when you could go to like regular shows and stuff. Um, you know, and he's got kind of a burgeoning film career. So, you know, he's in, and then obviously you kill the guy from Creed. I mean, that's just no question. Yeah. Okay. That's, um, you know, that's good. I like that a lot. I think <laughs> that, that's, that was pretty simple, that's honestly. Completely reasonable. <laughs> Straightforward. And I don't think I've got really much, you know, to argue there. I mean, I, I will share with you that I was going to say Please. Wes Borland as an option. Instead I love of Fred Wes. Durst. Love Wes. Um, Wes is sick. Obviously. I feel bad for him. We just we just did so we we just did a year our our one year anniversary episode and we did chocolate starfish for our one year. And I mean Wes is like the best new metal guitarist by a lot. Like oh, he's yeah. so good. His riffs are so good. And yeah, just like reading interviews with him, it's like he just hated every second of it. So yeah. just, so bless him. Bless his soul, you know. But see, we the we're, weird we're thing. big Wes fans at the POD cast. We get uh like and this is maybe like a no kind of on topic but i don't wouldn't necessarily lump them into new metal per se but that's okay you get these guitarists who like west borland who are like mega fucking talented they don't need to be in limp biscuit right definitely and then not. like you know the guitarist uh, i don't think he's still with marilyn manson i think he's in uh, rob zombie's band now but john five yeah are you familiar with his work this guy fucking yeah. slaps he it's slaps. like why were you in fucking marilyn manson bro because that was big man it was I just, big shit. That's what people forget. I think is like they don't. I think people. They, I think people forget that like uh, it really was uh, like the biggest form of music on earth for yeah. like three years. They don't understand how just truly big it was. So I think that's part of it. But but yeah, I, love I mean, it. great, great. I always say Fred Durst is like the smartest man to ever do music because he just surrounded himself with like. Like uh, John Otto was doing an MFA in jazz drumming and they pulled him out of school. Uh, <laughs> Sam Rivers is like a crazy bass player. And then obviously yeah. Wes is insane. And Fred is like, you know, has like legitimately zero talent whatsoever. His talent is yeah. as a marketer. He's like, he, he's just a good marketing guy. That's his so whole you thing. know, as, go ahead, Thomas. Well, I was just going to say, as someone that graduated from jazz school, I must, I would have appreciated if someone pulled me out early <laughs> to join Limp Bizkit. did something. Uh, and said that this isn't going anywhere, but yeah, it would have been nice <laughs> if someone told me. Imagine, imagine you get pulled out of jazz school. They're like, Thomas, I know you're well, doing this. Well, in that thing. time, it would have been that time. It would have been like, Yo, you want to play bass for this post-hardcore band? Yeah. And then that that'd be like, Okay. Yeah, I get of course, it. Of course, that'd it. be sick. <laughs> it'd be like the same. Yeah, kind of there's some really great post-hardcore musicians too. The, yeah. the rhythm sections, especially in post-hardcore, is bananas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're it's like, true. you know, you're like my buddy, uh, you know, Steve Sladkowski in pop, you know, he has a, he has a oh, BFA yeah, well, yeah. in jazz and like, you can tell that he's just yeah. like an extremely good guitar player. He's what makes, well, and like, makes and pop just like, oh, let me see if, let me see if pop punk could work in like five, totally. four. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, like, you can totally tell that like <laughs> he's, he's a huge part of how successful his band is, which is awesome, you know? Absolutely. No, I love it. And, and like I said, I feel like a little slighted that Thomas, like he just kind of slid in there like, hey, we're going to talk about this and this and this with John. And then if there's well, time, we can talk about Godsmack. And I was like, why, why would we fucking we're talk about leading with Godsmack, baby. And I appreciate that. That's what I want out of this like podcast tour I'm doing. I want to talk about new metal on these shows. 
I like it. Well, and listen, we got we got lots of that. We could talk about, and I mean, I uh, we will revisit music. I know we've got okay. some other stuff to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, this is ostensibly a hockey well, podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. We've like, it's like half and half. Like it's, so all three of us are from like hardcore bands oh, and that's okay. kind of how we connected. So, well, like not, it was, yeah, whatever. That's basically. Um, it's complicated. Yeah. Basically it was like hardcore bands and stuff. So that's like, Half of what okay, we talked about. Okay, that explains all the tattoos. The, all yeah. the tattoos on you guys. Oh, I'm like... That's a thing. Yeah, yeah it's The hardcore it's boys. Yeah. The hardcore daddies. We should... Uh, <laughs> the hardcore guys. Yeah, yeah the hardcore daddies. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you said daddies. I thought you said boys. Daddies. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Carter's more. Carter's the most daddy, so that's fine. Big time. But you've replaced him. We don't need him anymore. We've, yeah, he's uh, gone. He's out. He's gone. Adios. Uh, but Carter loves new metal. I'll share that oh, with okay. you. I think and, he, so, and he still couldn't I'm, show up for this. I yeah, mean, didn't didn't have guy. the heart to do it. Imagine he's uh, like he's like dying right. You're like, oh no, he's actually really sick. That's why he's not here. <laughs> and I just feel like well, he's he, a asshole. Yeah, like I don't want to Steve Simmons this, but Carter had to get tested, and we're just gonna feel it out. So oh, okay, we'll nice. I heard in Ontario right now. That's not a fun. That's like an eight hour process. It's getting tested. absolutely there's insane, like bro my. I think it was... Go ahead, Thomas. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, I think people were saying, I think it may have been London or something, that was like, literally, they're not open until Sunday. And it's like Thursday. Yeah. Cool. Like, they, well, they're turning people away. But, so it's really and cool. I, and, and hear, and hear me out cool on thing. this one. If you live in London, who cares? Yeah. Am I right, guys? Yeah. Who cares? You're right. Hang You're them right. up. I mean, yeah. Hang them up. <laughs> Oh, the testing site's not open? Well, whatever. I'll just go lay face down in this gutter for a while. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong, man. Go to Seeps. Not a lot going Except you'd go to Stobie's Pizza, though, first. I know I nothing about that. that. That means nothing to me, but it sounds great. Well, it is. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know you know when you have a you know when you have a piece of pizza and you take the first bite and all the toppings come off in the first bite and you burn yeah. the fuck out of your mouth? That's Stobie's Pizza okay. in a nutshell. All right. So we've all, we all have a Stobie's kind of story that way. Um, but, John, listen, I wanted to ask you, so – um, we know you from, from real good show. You've yes. got a couple of other things going on podcast wise these days. Tell us about some of the projects you got going on oh. right now. Well, we've already talked about the POD cast. Um, so yeah, so that's myself. And, um, if your listeners are familiar, there's a quite a popular show down South of the border called street fight radio. Uh, my co-host yeah. is, uh, is from that podcast. Uh, his name's Brian and, uh, yeah, he actually came on blocked party and, my other podcast, which I'll get to in a sec. He came on that, pardon me, and um, what we ended up like spending 15 minutes, kind of like this podcast. We spent like the first 15 minutes of the show talking <laughs> about new metal, and then I was like, holy shit, like this guy knows as much about new metal as I do, which is not, that's very <laughs> rare to find in, in life for me. And so then I like kind of, and I had been sort of kicking around the idea of doing a new metal podcast. So I reached out to him and I was like, how would you feel about doing just like once a month, just like keep it chill? And he was like, absolutely. And so it's awesome. And it, it's like a perfect mix because he is eight years older than me. So I, I'm 35. Okay. So I was like 13 to 16 when new metal was popular. So I was like kind of a kid sort of formative years type music for me. Whereas for him, he was like a young adult. Like that was his like college music. So like he mm -hmm. saw Korn in 1995. Um, oh. He's seen like every, like he saw Limp Bizkit open for Korn in a club in like 97 or what, you know, like, so he's like, like he has, he bought a demo tape from Fred Durst outside of a venue. He went to Woodstock Jesus. 99 
Um, so like oh he has all God. these like so it's it's really cool because we're we're kind of coming to it from two totally different places. But then he has these like awesome stories about just like being around at that time and being a fan and. So it's a really fun show. I mean, it's it's one of those things. If you don't like new metal, you know, you probably won't. Get, I mean, I think we're both entertaining guys, but you probably wouldn't get a ton out of it. Uh, whereas, <laughs> but if you do like new metal, like it, it's it's one of those ones where we do get a lot of like super sincere like tweets and stuff from listeners who just like really identify with it and and love it, which is yeah. which is really fun. And then uh, and then Blocks Party is my main podcast. That's my the one that comes out every week. That's with me and uh, and Stefan Heck, who you may know from the internet. Uh, he's a pretty popular Twitter account. He's at boring underscore as underscore Heck. And uh, yeah, he's just like uh, a good buddy of mine. And we just started this show about uh, getting blocked on social media. So we just like have a guest on every week to talk about a time they got blocked on social media. And uh, it's like it kind of blew up, you know. It's been It's been doing really well. And we've had some very high profile guests on the show, which has been really cool and unexpected and fun and uh and more coming uh we just recorded an episode yesterday with jamel hill which was wild and crazy oh that's um, crazy yeah. just literally from tweeting at her she like tweeted about she tweeted about oh, being I, blocked and then i just tweeted at her and i was like jamel go on blocked party and she was like okay and then like <laughs> and then like a week and a half <laughs> later so she was on the show so yeah i mean it's just wild so it, it's really fun it's uh it's a, it's a fun podcast to listen to and then i'm a stand-up comedian as well so obviously that is not happening so much right now but uh yeah but that's kind of my that's sort of my whole resume i guess i love it no that's good and uh some people might know you for uh you know your first kind of comedy uh, we call it a comedy special if it's yeah album like, just uh, like comedy album we still call it yeah, that comedy right? record, yeah record yeah which I re-listened to today and fucking had a fit several times <laughs> oh, in the car thanks, uh, on my way home. That's very I nice. I listened to it years ago, like right. two, three years ago. Yeah, it ago. came out in 2017. Yes, it came out. So. Yeah. And I remember um, when you were talking about it on Real Good Show and I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out and revisited it today to kind of get me uh, <laughs> in, in the zone here. Nice. But so you're you're from Toronto originally. Am, how yeah. do you end up? Uh, how do you end up in the West Coast? Uh, my parents, uh, my dad got transferred out here, so it was kind of uh, yeah. I grew up in Newmarket uh, or just outside of Newmarket. I know you guys got a lot of Southern Ontario listeners, so I can talk about that specifically. Yeah, yeah I grew up in Holland Landing, just oh, outside yeah. of Newmarket. Pardon me. And then yeah, when I was uh, 13, it wasn't even it wasn't like a forced transfer. My dad was was working a job. He was a manager of a, of a firm, uh, of a branch of a firm, I should say, in the insurance world. And they uh, kind of offered him a, a, a big raise and a good job opportunity out here and kind of talked it over with the family and just decided he didn't want to live his whole life in Southern Ontario and wanted to try something different. And so, yeah, so for, I was four, just about 14, hadn't quite turned. I was a month shy of my 14th birthday. We moved across the country and I always thought I would come back, you know? I think it's like easy when you, especially because I was, you know, 14, getting into high school. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back to Ontario, go to U of T, and that's gonna, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> and then I moved out here and I was like, no, that's not happening. I went to I went to UBC and I, I love it out here. I don't think I would ever leave, so. I, do you think, so when I think of people who are maybe from, <clears throat> excuse me, Ontario originally, and they go out west, it's like, that girl that uh, you know, I was in like you know, uh, I don't know, philosophy class with in grade eleven, and she's like, "I'm just 
I'm gonna go out to Kelowna and I'm gonna find myself and maybe I come back and maybe I won't. Um, do you think people from BC do that to come to Ontario? No, never. Like, they would never no, do that, right? Do they would never do it. No one's, no one's it's, doing yeah. that, right? Only, and I've, I've always wanted to ask someone that. The only way that it, so it, it's not the thing about Ontario is like nothing about Ontario is spiritual. You know, so it's like, it's like, <laughs> that's it's true. Like BC's got the mountains and the ocean. And so I think like people who live in Ontario are like, you know, BC feels like a different world. Um, whereas yeah. like Toronto just feels like a, a major cosmopolitan city. So like people do move from here to Toronto, but it's usually for school or for a job opportunity or both. Like they move out to go to Queens or U of T or Western yeah. or one of those schools and then they end up finding a job in Ontario and they and they stay there but it's often that you you find people will come back so like if you're from BC yeah. and you move to Ontario even if you get a job and whatever you're trying to find your way back here uh, whereas like mm -hmm. usually when people move from Ontario to BC they don't find their way back to Ontario generally <laughs> speaking and that's not a slight I on Ontario I just yeah. think yeah. you know it's just such a great place to live out here uh, for well, it's fun. It's yeah, it's funny because I literally have in-laws that from London went to Vancouver for like school and jobs and stuff. And yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll go back after school and whatever. And then, yeah, no, it's just so hard. You know, it's just the climate forever. is excellent. The city is cool. It's like it's kind of a small it's got like a small town vibe without being like a super small town. Um, and it just, yeah, there's just something about it. It's really expensive. So that's the thing. Like a lot of people do leave here, but <laughs> they leave here for like smaller, for like smaller towns where they can afford houses. Cause I mean, that's really depressing. That, that's the one part that sucks about living here is you kind of just like, you know, you, yeah. you, you come up through your twenties and stuff and you're working your ass off and you get yourself into like a career that you like. And you're just like, I am never going to own a house ever. Um, you know, unless you have family money right. or some kind of situation works out for you, but it, it's just really tough. So the, the, you do find people who leave here for that reason where like, if you're just the type of person who wants to own a house, like that's just your whole, you just want to have the family, you want to have the nice house, then you, you know, then you might leave here for that reason. But other than that, it's pretty tough. We also do get some people who will leave here for Ottawa as well. Like I have a good buddy who works in okay. works in politics, and so he's oh yeah, that yeah, makes sense. So he works he works for the yeah, federal I, government in Ottawa. But that's really it. You'll I, get yeah, people leave for school, leave for a job opportunity, but it's never to just be like I need a change. People don't usually leave here for that. I can't ever see myself like I when I'm in BC, I want to stay in BC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love BC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the greatest place. Like we, uh, I, we were on tour years ago in a band that I was in, and we got name the band, in, Chris. Uh, Don't be a coward. Name the band. <laughs> okay. Well, so I sound like kind of a poser because I was link your MySpace. Okay, boys, relax. Hold on a second. Let me get there. So the band was called Substance. Okay. I was filling in because their singer broke his arm on the East Coast leg of the tour, so I went with them out to BC. As I, you were filling singer. Had, Fill in uh, screamer, screamer. Singer. okay, gotcha. Screamer. Yeah, sure. Well, let's say screamer. Voc for vocalist, the sake of the story. vocalist. Yeah. Vo yeah, VOX. Vocalist. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Um, but what was crazy about it is like I'd been to BC when I was a kid, but I don't really remember it. We had some family in BC, and uh, we were in um, we were on our way to a, a, a hardcore festival in Vancouver, and our van got stuck in the mountains just outside of Kelowna. Okay. 
and we got towed by this friendly man from West Bank who was like, yeah, you guys can stay in, in West Bank, you know, until you can get your van fixed. And uh, make a long story short, we ended up bailing on the rest of the tour because we were out of money. It was going to cost so yeah. much money to get the van fixed. But we stayed in West Bank for like a week just like trying to like get all of our ducks in a row. And why would you ever leave that yeah, place? Like, exactly. It's, you wouldn't. I mean, I'd, I'd do it to be just because I don't like the Vancouver Canucks. Like I try yeah. to distance myself from I those don't like people. the Vancouver Canucks either. So I hate them. We're on the same page with that. Just living yeah, in yeah. hell. Well, I'm not living in hell. I, I just don't. I don't follow any of them. I don't engage with them. I don't care. You know. And the thing is, like Vancouver Canucks fans, uh, like almost to a person, are like just shit fans. They're just bad people, shitty fans. <laughs> yeah. So it's just easy. I like, I, like it's just you know. I don't even. I pay them no mind. They mean nothing to me. Do you feel like so being you know a, a Toronto boy? You're a Leaf fan. I am a diehard Leafs fan, yeah. For better or worse. Thank Mostly God. for worse. I, fair enough. <laughs> I get that. Although there are some there are some uh, nice things. I've always felt weird at the notion of living, like, I mean, living in Barrie, you know, I can, you know, I'm close to the Leafs by proxy. I feel good about that, yeah. right? Is it weird to be like a diehard fan in a city like Vancouver where the fan base can be so, what would the word be, Thomas? Help me here with the word. How would you describe uh, Canucks what? Twitter? Uh, yeah. Poisonous. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. No, if I go that's that no. Far, I mean, that's not far. That's not far enough. <laughs> that's no. I've contentious. I've like spent some man. Like you just go into Thomas Drance's like replies. It's just oh, nuts. it's nuts. Canucks Twitter. I don't want to spend like a day. Because the thing about it. the thing about Canucks Twitter it's... is like it's a bunch of people with like. 600 to 2500 followers acting like they are so important like that's the thing with canucks twitter that's like a real issue because like i think the one thing with the leafs is like the leafs have legitimate obviously like they have the most media coverage in the league and then they the leafs media has like tiers as well so you have you know obviously you have your big guys your mainstream media then you even have tiers of like bloggers. Like obviously you've got like Steve Dangle at the top of that list, but then you still have like massive Leafs bloggers underneath that, like MLSE and yeah. Felix Potvin and Jeffler and like guys who have legitimately like 30, 40,000 followers. People subscribe, like Jeffler's been living off of his blog for the last like two years or whatever. Like you have these people who are genuinely big people and Canucks doesn't have that. It's just mainstream media and then and then boom and then you just hit the bottom and then there's just so it leaves all these guys they, okay I I've never counted but I can almost guarantee you there are more Canucks podcasts than there are Leafs podcasts which is crazy because okay. the that's the Leafs impo- fan that base impossible. the Leafs fan base like just by numbers must be 20 times bigger than the Canucks fan base. But it's just like, it's all these Canucks people. They will start a Canucks podcast and then they're like, well, I'm an expert now. I'm a, I have a Canucks podcast. I got a Canucks podcast and I got 750 followers. So, and they're, they fight with each other. All the, the podcasts fight with each other and then they fucking apologize. It's like, I had this tweet. I had this subtweet. Oh, I had this subtweet of, and it was of Canucks Twitter <laughs> where it was literally like, it was just a quote and it was like, 
Sorry, I must apologize <laughs> to my 800 followers. It's like, who the fuck? What world are you living in where you think that you're like, oh my God, I've made such a grievous error. I need to apologize to the 800 people on this website that follow me. It's like, holy fuck. It just is my, it's mind blowing to me. I can't get over it. That self-importance is, is nuts to me. Yeah. It might just be like, I feel like because we're in Toronto and then it's like, obviously the national media is here so it's like almost like a barrier okay you got the national media guys and then you got like toronto specific guys like myrtle or yeah like more athletic people and then you got the bloggers we're like in vancouver it's just there's no like real national so it's like you got vancouver and then people feel like it's such easy access to get to the next step because like you even you even see people like through like canucks army or whatever um like oh they just climb up the ladder there and then they're suddenly like sitting at tsn 1040 oh yeah like yeah no you're absolutely like, right like it's like super re- there's like a direct almost so so many people are like funneling into this like oh i'm gonna be yeah. doing no, that, that and that's and a great like, point and i think too part thing. of it is that sports media just isn't big here in general like Va- vancouver vancouver is such a tough right. city to do any type of entertainment thing in and i mean i know this as a comedian but it's just like you are competing with everything all the time like Ontario, you know, I mean, Chris lives in Barrie. What are you competing with in Barrie? Nothing. You can go for a walk. No. That's it. There's nothing, you know, like, yeah. whereas in Vancouver, it's like, and, and that's not an insult. It just is the way it is. It's just the way no, it no, is with true. geography. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you, if, you're, if you're putting yeah. on a stand-up comedy show, you're not only competing with people's personal lives and what they do with their families and whatever, but you're competing with the fact that they're two hours away from a ski hill, which in the summer is a mountain bike hill. They're 20 minutes away from the beach. They're you know they're 10 minutes away from a world-class hike like all so you're just competing with that stuff all the time and the sports here is like that too and so it's it's part of why it's it sucks because canucks fans are so fair weather but it's literally because the weather here is very fair like it just it you know it sounds (laughs) cliche but like yeah you know when the canucks are bad no one gives a shit no one pays attention they don't care they only care about the canucks if they're winning which is really unfortunate but then what that leaves is that the people who are hardcore sports fans here that are really into it they're like you say thomas there is a fairly easy path to this like at least like general decent attention that you can get because it's like Like, mm -hmm, you know that's you're just here you're you're doing the thing and people are like oh yeah okay i'll I'll pay attention to this i mean i think like a good example of that is um uh, i don't know if you guys have uh, saw this kind of thing it was like a couple months ago there was a podcast that started called the broadscast uh which was like five women from vancouver who got together to start a sports podcast and like Obviously, the message and the mission is fantastic. It's like five women getting together to talk about sports and to kind of like defeat some of the uh, rail against some of the stereotypes against like women covering sports. But like, I just couldn't help but feel that like Vancouver might be the only Canadian market where that would have gotten so much attention right away. Because if you look at the individual Mm -hmm. follower accounts of the women, the broadcast Twitter has more followers than all of them. Like, so then that's very rare, like that you're, I mean, you guys know with uh, hosers or whatever, it's hard to start a podcast Twitter that people give a shit about. Because like literally, what's your podcast Twitter? You're just tweeting episodes out. You're just like, hey, we did this episode. Here's a tweet and a link to the episode. Like it's not, I mean, you know, Stefan has 120,000 Twitter followers and Block Party has like 4,000 or whatever. Like it's it's very hard to convert people from 
your Twitter followers to your podcast's Twitter followers. So the fact that they were able to create this thing that's like far usurped their own follower counts, it just goes to show it's like all these people in Vancouver are like, whoa, there's this unique media product. It's in our city. We're all going to follow it. And then it just like kind of blows up from there, which is, yeah, I think it's, it, it's cool. And like that's an example of it happening for good. But there's just so many examples of like, guys starting a podcast getting a bit of traction and then being like well i'm a i'm a canucks media member and it's like no no you're not you're 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 a literal <laughs> no it was like i i'm sure you've heard of like of the large cast stuff like i've kind of yeah so just being in vancouver and like i got a little snippet of it and just like getting a brief uh of it and like how they bought their airtime on sportsnet and stuff Wait, and that's kind what? of I didn't hear. Is yeah. this when you tweeted the like? It's basically we're gonna buy Sportsnet 590 stuff yeah. and make fart noises. That's the reference. Yeah. Got it. Didn't yeah. get it before. Um, yeah, it was just very. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's hard to explain. I don't know. It's like it's basically. You know what I? You know what I? You know what I think whatever. it is. And and both of you, please correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong. Thomas and I talk about this all the time. And. I mean, listen, far be it for me to, you know, pass judgment on people who want to do what they want to do. That's fine. Do what you got to do if it makes you happy, whatever. But there is this yearning that people have to, you know, pursue something and think that it's just going to happen like this. And I think, you know, the idea of like, and I don't know the full story, Thomas, you can you can kind of give me a recap at some point, but I get the gist of it where... You know, you've got people who are doing whatever it is that they're doing in their day-to-day life. Maybe they went to school for it, whatever. But this, there's this yearning for a lot of people to moonlight on Twitter as someone they are absolutely not. And I don't know if you've had this experience, John, but Thomas and I talk about it all the time. These people on hockey Twitter in Toronto who, you know, are these larger-than-life characters. You know, I've had a beer with a few of you, and you're all fucking weird oh man none of you can have a conversation with anybody you don't look people in the eye you have absolutely no social skills and it's like i get that you you want to be this thing and like you know like i said power to you do what you want to do but like i also know that that's not really who you are and that's kind of weird to me that's that always makes me a little uneasy with the uh the kind of Twitter personalities that we come by. In well, it's just cities. like it, it's. Well, it's even Chris and I talk about it all the time. It's kind of actually what oh, we meant, yeah. but like the pop yeah. talks, like the homestand sports. Yeah. So we had like yes, yeah. in Toronto, it happened like every month out here, and it would just like it would just happen in these like, and Jeff Fayette would be there, or like whatever, or other Twitter like yes. totally offside. Who's like one of our number one fans? Shout out, uh, Good shout out to totally offside. <laughs> Good friend. Uh but yeah he uh yeah and then like you get people just like oh man like what's this person like and like there's a unnamed person of like uh who's blogging now was like really wanting to know what this other like who adam lascaris like was like in person and it's just like he's just the editor for tl and it's like he's just a, he's just a normal like, yeah. fucking guy <laughs> he's just like it's just like they treat these like hockey celebrities like that's the thing like, like to me it's like if the lot, person whatever. can't be recognized in the grocery store what are we doing here you know no one on earth like <laughs> yeah and again real. you know would i have been like would i have liked to be writing for puck daddy at the time absolutely but like so like why are we like it was just a very weird 
thing to me. And I think it's just like, yeah, it is a bit of a strange, like, there's a bit of a strange culture in Vancouver, I think, especially around that stuff where it's there. There just feels like there's so many more like the path to being like a quote unquote known person in Vancouver seems much smaller than somewhere else where you would actually have to have like a very legitimate following before people would like know who you were before you'd be on stage at puck talks or whatever. Like it feels like if Vancouver did a puck talks, you'd end up with like someone who has like 2000 Twitter followers on stage, you know, just like, Oh, this is like, Hey, people listen to this guy's (laughs) podcast sometimes. Um, And again, it's like, it's fine. I I don't know. People are probably going to get mad at me for saying all this, but like it just, yeah, it's, it's fine. And I I totally agree with you, Chris, like do whatever makes you happy. And if you think these, if you think these people, if you, if you think these people are celebrities, that's fine too. But it just is like, I don't know. It was just, it was such a strange vibe to me that I didn't quite understand where I think sometimes it's important to like take a step back and realize that like the internet doesn't mean anything at all. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's fair. And and I, I, I'm glad that we all kind of are walking away with the same sentiment of like, you know, do what makes you happy. That's cool. I just, I, I've, I've always been just very perplexed by, um, you know, the, the, the the desire like for for example for me i have a really hard time with social media i have a hard time like being super social on it in the sense that there's like i I don't think that you know my thought on this turnover on this play warrants this you know threaded (laughs) tweet you know what i mean like i just i'm just gonna do my you know and that's cool other people do that that's cool but I always just found it to be uh so strange but on the topic of the uh of the puck talks events um, did you ever go to any of them in uh, in Vancouver? I think they they held a, they a only few of them they there. had two. Uh, one was an athletic event, um, and but it was done by the Puck Talks people. And I was supposed to do stand up at it, but I was at Curling Provincials. But it was like it was Botchford and Broff and Halford and Jeff Patterson, and that might have been it. I don't remember. And then the other one was the Botchford Memorial Puck Talks, which I did stand yeah. up at, um, which was uh, yeah. which was really cool. Like they did like a local Canucks panel, uh, which was like they had um, who was on. It was like Harmon Dial, who's like you know already emerged as like an incredibly good uh, writer, like awesome, yeah, super good kid. Crazy. Um, and who else? And Brawford, uh, Brawford. <laughs> Broff and Halford were both on that one as well. Ray Ferraro, I think, was on the local one, even though he's like more of a national guy, but he lives here. And then the national panel was like James Duffy, Bob McKenzie, Myrtle, Pierre Lebrun, um, just to yeah, like raise money for Botchford's family. And um, yeah, it was like it was a really it was cool. Like it was a cool event. It's like the type of thing that I like. Like I, you know, people always ask me like, what podcasts do you listen to? Like as a podcaster, and I don't really listen to any podcasts. Like I don't, I don't want to listen to too many podcasts because I don't want like, I like the so people have, people have told me before. I mean, whatever people people have told me before. Like one of the things they like about Block Party is that it feels like a different feels different than anything that they listen to. And I think part of it is that like Stefan and I do yeah. not consume any other comedy podcasts, and we're just like kind of trying to do our own thing. And I, I think that's part of it for me is like not listening to a lot of comedy podcasts. I, I hope keeps ours maybe a little bit more original or whatever. So when people ask me like, what's your favorite podcast? I'm like the leaf report probably like that's probably like, 
Like in terms of like a podcast, like <laughs> yeah. when it comes out, I want to listen to it within 24 hours. That's one for me that's like, and it is super dry and super like boring, but I love it. And it's like, I feel like that's what Puck Talks is too. That was my whole point. It's like, you know, you, you got to be a certain type of hockey fan to be like, Puck Talks? Hell yeah. Sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with that for sure. It's, it's true, but I, I think the other thing, too, is is I was uh, curious if you had had the opportunity to, to do some stand-up, because I remember reading about, you know, you doing something like that at one of those events, and, and certainly <laughs> I think it needs a few yeah. laughs, well, you know, especially just to kind of like get the no, room going no, a little there's bit. There's no harder um, laugh on earth w- than one guy on an MSM hockey podcast laughing at the other guy. It is insane. Like the number of times that Jeff Merrick laughs oh, yeah. at something Elliot Friedman said, that's the least funny thing I've ever heard. And Merrick's acting like he's George Carlin <laughs> or some shit. It's insane to me. It's the same thing with Myrtle and Jonas. Like, uh, you know, they're both just geeky guys. Like just, imb- just, and that's fine. But like, and Jonas is cool. I think Jonas is actually like pretty chill. Yeah. I, I've never met him, but like he just, he actually seems like kind of a chill dude. Yeah. But, like, Myrtle is such a geek, and he just, like, makes these jokes, and, like, <laughs> Jonas and Myrtle will laugh, and I'm like, this isn't funny, dudes. Like, don't, th- this, what you said wasn't funny, this podcast isn't funny. <laughs> Stop this madness. Like, it just, ugh. Have you had people uh, kind of fanboy or, or fangirl over over your, your comedy stuff, like, recognize you from being, you know, part of JFL uh, or anything like that? No. <laughs> No one gives a shit. (laughs) Nothing changes. You know, it's like, it's funny. Like, so just for laughs is like such a good example, you know, because it's like, so as a, as a comedian, you know, just for laughs is is the pinnacle. It's not even like the Canadian pinnacle, like even for Americans and global comedians, like it is the pinnacle to perform at. And so when you get asked to do it, it feels like the biggest deal on earth. And you know that like when you get it, there are like literally hundreds of people who are just like, their insides are screaming with jealousy that you got this, but like no one else on earth cares at all. And like nothing matters. My JFL performance aired on TV. I got like maybe five new Twitter followers (laughs) or something. Like it just, so it's like that kind of stuff is all, I guess it's like humbling, but it's not, I I just would never, I wouldn't expect it anyway. Um, But no, I mean, you don't usually get fanboying. I mean, Vancouver's kind of a bit of an anti-fanboy place anyway, just for all the reasons I said. Like, it just, you know, Vancouver has an attitude to it that is different from other places. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I never really have. I I think the only thing that is weird, and you guys do a podcast as well, so you know this, like, you know, it's weird when the, 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 like, the listener-podcaster relationship is very strange because the listeners feel like they know you, yeah. right? Like, I mean, especially if they've listened to you every week and like, I, there are people who have listened to every episode of Real Good Show and every episode of Block Party. So they've like listened to me talk for probably like 500 hours. So like they know everything about my life. They know my girlfriend's name. They know what I do for work. They know that I curl. They know that I like new metal, all this stuff. And I don't know anything about them. And so it is this very strange like, relationship where people will come up to you after a show and it's like you can tell that that like they just yeah they know so much about you and they want to talk to you about your life but it's like you just can't meet them there like they just they have so much backstory about you that it's like you can't really say anything like you can ask them a few questions about their life and stuff but it's like 
there's just no place that you can meet them where where it makes sense, you know? And, um, and not that that's happened too many times to me, but I've been lucky enough that, like, touring across Canada, I'll have people come out to shows in Edmonton or Toronto or Halifax, and they'll be like, hey, I'm here because I like your podcast. And, like, that's unbelievable to me and crazy. Um, and it's super fun and, and awesome. But, yeah, I think that's the part of it that you it's just weird like and and i think you just you have to get used to it and it doesn't happen to me very often so i'm not used to it and uh, yeah it's a weird situation like i remember a girlfriend of mine uh an ex of mine said she met usher when she was like one (laughs) and she was like a huge usher fan and she was like he's so beautiful like whatever and the way she always described it is she's like she's like i could tell that usher meets young girls all the time who have no idea like how to deal with the fact that they're meeting. Okay. So she was like, he made me feel like the most special, you know, he was like, Oh, Hey little mama, like how you doing? <laughs> like, you know, and just like, she, but she said it was like, you know, at the mo in the moment she was like, Oh my God, Usher's like the nicest person I've ever met in my whole life. And then like looking back on it, like five years later, she was like, he just, you could just tell that like he meets people all the time who don't know how to talk. Like they see him and they just don't know how to talk. And so he is like, he just knows how to basically have a conversation with himself for their benefit. Um, And I'm not (laughs) trying to compare myself to Usher at all, but I just feel like that's kind of a similar thing where people will come up to me and they know all this stuff about my life and I I just can't meet them (laughs) there. And so I I have to try to learn like how to be good in those situations. I'm probably bad. People probably meet me and they're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, but don't you find that like, <laughs> you know, I've, like I said, listened to your comedy lots of times. I'm pretty familiar with it. Do you find that like your style of comedy, like very observational, obviously, um, you know, the jokes about being a teacher are like by far my favorite by a long shot. Oh, thank right? you. Right? But like, don't <laughs> you think that there's like relatability in that to a degree? Yes, Yes, that's true. But then, but then the problem with that, Chris, is then then people want to contribute. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> that's not good. So that's not good either. Yeah, yeah. Because you know? then you'll get people, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm a teacher. Have you ever, have you ever considered this?" And I'm like, <laughs> 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 just tell you their own uh, jokes. Or, or it's like, or it's like, you know, or it's like they'll say, "Have you ever considered saying this?" And then I'm like, "Yeah, I have," and I did it a bunch of times, and then and it didn't yeah. work because I'm a professional at this. Like so, like you said, you've listened to my album, so I have a, a joke on my first album where I talk about a bat flying into my car. Love it. And um, thank you. And and so like, the, the, uh, without getting too far into the woods on the joke, it just basically is like that. There's a page in the Young Driver's Instruction Manual which tells you what to do if a bat flies into your car, which is true. And so then there's a part of the joke where I say that like one of the steps on the young driver's thing is to signal. <laughs> and I would say like at least 10 times after a show, <laughs> people are like, you know, bat signal. Like it's right there, <laughs> you know, like the bat signal. Like that's from Batman. You know, I just couldn't, I, they're like, they'll be like, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for you to say bat signal. And it was like, so you think as an audience <laughs> member, coming to see a professional headliner do comedy that I just completely missed bat signal that I was like, uh, that I just was like, you know, I just, wow, bat signal. Holy fuck. You're a genius. It's like, no, I thought of bat signal. I tried it four times. It didn't work. And then I stopped saying, right. You know, so it's like, that's it. And it's fine. Like people are very nice. Like I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a dick. Like People just, they want to feel a part of it. And it's just, it's a very similar situation to a podcast. Yeah. It's like, they come see you headline a show. 
you talk for for 45 minutes and they just listen to you for 45 minutes and like you say I'm relatable and I do talk a lot about my own life and my comedy so I think people come up to me and they they feel like they know me and so they feel like they're friends with me and they feel like they can talk to me like on that level and it's it's great it just means that they had a good time and they are excited about the show and they want to be a part of it and I totally appreciate that, but it is also like a little bit insulting. Like if you were a plumber and you came to my house, I wouldn't stand over you fixing my toilet and been like, "Yeah, did you try the L pipe there? Did <laughs> yeah. you try the, did you try the L two? Or you know, I don't know anything about pipes, but like, you know, that doesn't happen. Right. So it, that's the part of it where you're like, there's no good answer. Like I could say, yeah, I've tried it before <laughs> and it didn't really work. They don't want to hear that answer because they don't want to hear that their brilliant idea didn't work. But then you also can't really be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Like, yeah, that's so fun. <laughs> like, I can't pretend that it's funny. So that part of it does get – can be a little bit tricky. I – yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming from. That that makes sense. I think it's the, – the, the teacher bits always kill me because my mom's a teacher. And she always – Oh, nice. She's, I, I can like imagine her saying some of the some of the bits, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing. Now, I wanted to ask you this: I, with with the the teaching side of what you do, and then the comedy, obviously, and, and amongst the other things that you do, has there ever been like an awkward intersection? I'm sure there must have been at some point. Like your students, do they know that you're a comedian? Do they know that some of the jokes might be influenced by the day to day in the classroom? Like. Ah, uh, fuck. I'm going to forget uh, her name, but the joke that you told about the soccer player and you were like, yeah, Rachel, like, don't clap for her. She's not here. Like that kind of shit yeah, kills so, me. <laughs> so Rachel, Rachel's real and her real name is Rachel. Uh, and it is Rachel Hutchinson. That is her real name that I say in the joke with her permission. Um, so she knows about the joke. Um, she's a super good soccer player. She plays for Trinity Western. All that is true. So it was really funny because that joke I told at Just for Laughs and it aired for the first time in September and her Trinity Western soccer season had just started. And so I told her about it. I was like, because I, I asked her before I did even the taping. I was like, in the joke, I talk about the situation. I say your name. I say your last name. Are you okay with... Actually, I think on TV, I don't say your last name. But when I tell the joke in clubs, I say her last name. And um, she's like, oh yeah, it's totally fine. No problem. She was like one of my favorite students. We had a great <laughs> relationship. It's all good. So uh, so she ended up, it ended up airing in September, which was right when their Trinity Western soccer season started. <laughs> so she actually watched it with her whole team. Amazing. And like, they just thought it was like the funniest thing. They're like, oh my God, like you kicked this guy and it hit him in the face, which is uh, all that's true. Um, and so, yeah, so like the kids know, I've had a, quite a few former students come watch me do comedy. Sometimes they bring their parents, which is really fun and like, it's totally fine, honestly. Like, I, I don't go out of my... I never advertise it. Like, I never would say in a class, like, oh, I got a show tonight or whatever. You know, like, I don't I don't advertise, but either, like, if I know their teacher who I'm filling in for, they might say to their kids, like, oh, the guy who's coming in tomorrow is a stand-up comedian or whatever. Or, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, it's, it's really... It's never been a problem. And if anything, it's just, like, it's really cool. Like, it, it's pretty cool to me as, like, an adult man... That like the kids that you taught, you made like enough of, and I'm just a substitute teacher. That like I made enough of an impression on them that like they've now been graduated for two years because they got to be 19 to come and see me. They've now been graduated for two years and they still want to like come out to a comedy club and see me do a show. Uh, you know, is <laughs> that's really cool. That's really cool shit that I that I that I like. 
uh, a lot, and, it, and it's really nice when it happens. And I, I haven't had anyone be like, you know, what are you doing? Don't talk about my kid or whatever. Yeah, oh, that's what I was kind of worried about, so I'm glad you just addressed that. That's good. That's positive. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Have, you, it's fine. have there been, like, weird expectations by some of these kids? Because I'm trying to think, like, we had a supply teacher. This is going to make me look like an absolute piece of shit, but I don't care. It's a funny story. <laughs> that's we had okay. a supply teacher. So our French teacher, she kind of, like, fucked us over in the big scheme of things, so I don't feel too bad. But um, So, you, yeah, you're in Holland Landing. Do you know where Angus is? You know of Angus? Uh, yeah. So that's where yeah. I grew up, just outside of Barrie. And my French okay. teacher, uh, his name was Mr. Newland. Uh, he he had some some hearing issues, and he was out of the classroom for a little bit. I can't remember the specifics around it. And what ended up happening was we had a, a Belgian lady come and and be our like supply teacher for a period of time, who also had <laughs> hearing issues. I, I don't know what this was. <laughs> They wanted to keep it consistent. Yeah, but she taught us a Belgian dialect of French in grade eight. So by the time I got oh, to grade weird. nine, I was all the pronouns were messed up. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, no. But um, oh, that's so weird. We ended up uh, doing this like kind of prank where we wanted her to make her think that her hearing aids were kind of going. So we'd like raise <laughs> our hands and like mouth our questions, and she like kind of looked you know, like kind of confused by it. And we kept it going for probably a solid 10 or 15 minutes. And then at one point she slammed <laughs> the book and left and never saw her again. So do you have, like, if, if a teacher sets you up with like, oh, you know, Mr. Cohen's coming in and he's a comedian, <laughs> do you ever feel like these kids have like almost an expectation that you're gonna be a cool guy? And are they usually, you know, are, do you try and meet that expectation? given no <laughs> they don't pay me they don't pay me enough i love it I just come in sunglasses and leather jacket shit. just like suck exactly i'm mr <laughs> yeah, turner yeah, from boy yeah. meets world but with like 20 percent let's see if you can imagine like uh sorry go ahead no no you go you haven't talked yeah, for okay. like 30 minutes uh i'm used to it uh yeah i was wow, just gonna wow <laughs> that's how it is eh? okay i'm just gonna Sorry. say uh like i imagine students even like i would try to make it into a joke like try to have a random scenario happen that I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do something like something stupid. And then be like, okay, maybe right. To yeah, make his yeah. act. <laughs> Just like... Oh, that's, I mean, I don't think that's ever happened, all, but that's, all that's purpose. worthy of thinking about. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they would have to be, cause the thing is with stand up too, is like a lot of people don't like stand up period but like teenagers most teenagers don't really like stand-up like they don't because it's just not something that's really presented to them right. right like they don't really watch late night tv they you know they're so like teenagers have to go out of their way to consume stand-up comedy and that just doesn't really happen too often it's like it tends to be something that people come to a bit later so like th the amount of kids that even care about it is pretty low and then the, um, the the number of kids, so you'd have to care about it enough, and then you'd also have to be funny enough and like cool <laughs> enough to pull it off. Like it's a very small number, but if someone has done it, I would have a lot of respect for them, and I appreciate it. <laughs> if they're in my joke by their own doing, then my hats are off to them. R respect. That would be that's that's interesting, but it's it's true though. Like I'm trying to think of like stand-up that I kind of got into like my dad is is into stand-up and I remember watching like Robin Williams stand-up and stuff as a kid and then I was really into Dane Cook in high school I was like <laughs> sure, yeah. guys come here and listen to this this is great so you know like control. calling out yeah. 
Yeah, like I. And- That's usually what happens. Like it, it'll usually be like one comedian that high school students find acceptable. So like, yeah, when we were growing up, it was like Dane Cook. Then just after that was Daniel Tosh. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then it was maybe like Chris D'Elia for the right. last little bit. Like there just always seems to be like, for whatever reason, one like mid thirties white stand up comedian <laughs> that is like cool to teenagers for some reason. Um, and yeah, so that's like, so y- you're right. Like when I say kids are not into stand up, it's like they are, but they're not, it's not something that they're going out of their way to consume. It's just like if someone is so famous or maybe like Kevin Hart would be right. like another good example of like, they're just so famous that the kids just kind of like know who they are and they're like, Oh, this person's cool Mine, or whatever. But yeah. it's, I was a big loser. So my like gateway into it was Dimitri Martin for some reason. Oh, okay. So it was like, cool it was as like hell. Dimitri like, Martin and like Mike Birbiglio was like my go-to. Which is amazing. Like, like, I mean, that's, you couldn't ask for better than that. But that's what I'm saying is like, just, I would need a high school student like you who's into Mike Birbiglia for some reason. And that, like, cause that's the funny part too, is like people will always ask me, you know, who's your favorite stand-up comedians? And my three true answers are Mike Birbiglia, Nate Bargatze, and Rory Scovel. Three people <laughs> no one on earth has heard of. <laughs> even though they're like, even though they're like quite famous comedians who are like living the yeah. dream of comedians, like all three of them tour theaters in North, all over North America. They can go to any major North American city and sell out a theater, all three of them. But like, if you just tell people that they're so disappointed because they want you to say someone they know <laughs> and I don't like, and I'm not going to say Kevin Hart. So yeah. sorry, but like, it's just, you know, oh, uh, it's just tough. It, it's hard. It's a hard thing, but but that is cool. So that's what I mean, Thomas. Like, I need a 15-year-old who somehow knows who Mike Birbiglia <laughs> is and cares enough to be like, maybe I can get into one of, this guy, one of these guys' jokes So here. how do we get you to be the face of teen comedy? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's over. I'm too old already. I'm on, like, 35. It's, it's done. And I'm Canadian. I have no chance. Do you think now, like, the entry point for a lot of kids with comedy uh, is kind of, like, perpetuated by, like, I want to say improv, but some of it is not improv on, you know, the likes of Vine and the likes of, you know, TikTok and things like that. What are your thoughts on that? It would just be like TikTok. Yeah. yeah. So like kids now, it's like it, it's like TikTok comedians or Instagram comedians. Those would be their like touchstones, like people I've never heard of in my whole life. Yeah, it's it's a little strange, but it's 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 also I do love it, though, because what happens is like so you'll have these like YouTube or TikTok or Instagram comedians who are massively, massively successful, millions of followers making a great living off of doing this. And, you know, just for laughs or other big festivals will try to capitalize on this because they'll be like, well, this person has three million followers. So like if we bring them to just for laughs, their show will sell out because they have tons of fans, but they're not stand ups and they get eaten alive. And that's like one of the best parts about stand up is like it's one of the last true like great equalizers we have. (laughs) Like if you're famous and people know you and they are going to see you, they will give you five minutes. You'll get five minutes of them being like, oh, okay, like they're not great so far, but like whatever, I still love them, like ha ha ha. You get five minutes. And then if you can't deliver after five minutes, it's going to be a painful fucking 40 minutes after that of you trying to do jokes to people who are like, oh, wow, this is extremely disappointing. This person is only funny with a video editing software. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. I haven't really thought about it that way. And you see some of them try and pivot into acting, and it's like, this does not no. work at no, all. No, it doesn't happen. 
Well, there was that whole like like Southern Mama was like the big one that happened a couple of years ago. Oh. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but that was at Just for Laughs. There's like this YouTube comedian called Southern Mama, and it's a guy who dresses up like a woman <laughs> and is just like, ah, oh, I'm your, I'm a, you know, it's like a, it, it's the new version of like you might be a redneck if Ooh. kind of thing, like you know, oh, get, get, hey kids, get in here for dinner, you know, like whatever. And so, yeah, the gimmick is literally it's just a guy dressed as a woman doing a southern accent, talking about things that sound like vaguely Alabamian or whatever. And then they, <laughs> just for laughs, brought, uh, brought them in to do a set, and they bombed so hard and, like, yelled at the audience and whatever. Like, it was nuts. And then Chris Red, who's on Saturday Night Live, who is a very, very good stand-up comedian, and he was a stand-up before <laughs> SNL, yeah just like reamed this dude out backstage just being like you were you were an embarrassment to stand up comedy i can't believe you did this like you know this is why like you think you're worth something and like you you can't just pretend to be a stand up like you should have never taken this gig but it was just like oh wow, it was so beautiful <laughs> it was awesome i loved every minute of it i love it so we wanted to ask you so with uh with everything going on the last couple of months, what is what is comedy? What's what's all of that looked like for you, and how have you been keeping busy? Doesn't look like anything. <laughs> I just have a podcast. I like that. Good. It's good. I started the podcast before. Like everybody's starting podcasts now, but I I was lucky. I got in on the ground. Floor. I like that. <laughs> I started a podcast before the world shut down. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's basically it. I've done a couple Zoom shows, uh, which are a disaster. Uh, I did a couple shows. I did a couple Canada Day shows where the city I grew up in here in BC asked me to film myself in my apartment and then they just aired the set. Uh, so it's like I literally did a set in my apartment to no one for 30 minutes and they just aired it on the city's YouTube channel on Canada Day. Um, good paycheck though. So yeah, that right. was fine. But it was, uh, but it was just like such a weird and bad experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it looks like right now. It's like not great. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, I got really lucky. I recorded my second album uh, the week before everything shut down. I was like the pretty much the last weekend the club was open. It, it was open the weekend after me, but that's when like COVID panic was like starting to set in. So like the club was maybe like half full. Like I was like the last weekend where shows were like sold out. And so I got real lucky. I got, I was the last guy in pardon me, under the wire to get an album recorded. So that was really lucky and nice because we're talking like, you know, it, it, say say my weekend was scheduled for like two weeks after that. We're talking like this album doesn't come out for like another two years. So it's just crazy. Does that album come yeah. out? So on a promo. It, <laughs> <clears throat> oh, it comes out on o October 16th. It comes out Friday, October 16th on Comedy Records. I love set that. Your, set your calendars. But yeah, so it's just like, I mean... I'm lucky because I wasn't doing a ton of stand-up anyway because the podcast really does provide an outlet for that. Like between PODcast and Block Party, I do at minimum nine podcast episodes a month. Um, and then obviously like I get asked to guest on podcasts. And so like every month I do on average about 10 podcasts or so. So like for me, that really scratches the comedy itch. Like I don't need, mm -hmm. I don't need stand up. you know, like when I started stand up, I, I did what everybody does, you know, you grind and you do a ton of shows and you're trying to do shows five, six nights a week, multiple shows in the night. And then, you know, and then once you have a different outlet, it, that stuff matters a lot less. You're like, oh, I don't have to leave my house on like a <laughs> Tuesday night and go do this shitty show at a bar for 11 people. Like, <laughs> cool, you know? 
So, you know, I, I miss it for sure. It's, it's nice to perform and be on stage and, and all that stuff is really great, but I don't, uh, it's not as bad for me as it is for other people. And I'm lucky that it's not my like main source of income. Like I really feel for the professional comedians who, you know, this is their whole thing and they just, there's just nothing, you know, yeah. there's nothing they can really do unless they have a podcast or they have some video, like a streaming, sur- like a stream on Twitch or a YouTube streaming show or something like Unless they have that, they got they got nothing. So it's tough. It's really tough right now. Yeah, the outlet part is it's very true. Like like Thomas said before, like we're all musicians, you know, by, by our nature and everything we did growing up. And you know, doing the podcast definitely you know scratches that itch for you in the sense that it's it's nice to be able to to do that. And you know, for us, like you know, there was a period in time where we realized that you know what made our podcast fun was just the idea of just getting together with your friends and having a conversation about anything totally. and it didn't have to be about <laughs> hockey and lately it hasn't been because there hasn't been a whole lot to speak <laughs> of yeah, we haven't really talked about hockey how have you how have Not you really. felt it yeah, yeah but then but it's good because we get to talk about all the all the other great stuff got to talk about yeah. canada so it's very on brand for hosers which yeah is good. it's fine it's totally fine um i wanted to ask you what it, what are your thoughts been on all this bubble stuff because there was rumors of the bubble being in Vancouver, and then that didn't yeah. happen. It fell apart. Have you been? Have you been watching? Have you been enjoying it? What's that been like for you? I mean, I watched the Leafs. Obviously, um, I think I went into it thinking like, okay, this isn't a real playoffs. Who cares? You know, whatever. And then the Leafs game started, and my heart rate went up forty beats a minute, and I was saying "fuck" a lot at Mitch Marner and. Um, so then I was like, okay, this is, I guess this is real. I guess these are real playoffs. Cause I, cause I cared, you know? <laughs> um, and then once the Leafs were out, I, I have honestly not watched very much. I gotta be fully honest. And I don't, I don't think it, it being like fanless or whatever, I, I, it doesn't detract that much from the experience for me. Like I didn't find watching the Leafs games with no, like I know people who are mm-hmm. like, I can't watch it because there's no fans. That part of it doesn't affect me really. Same with watching like the Raptors. Uh, like I watched quite a bit of their playoff run. Like I didn't find it really distracting, but <laughs> I, but yeah, like I just, once the leaves were out, I, it didn't hold, it's the summer and it didn't hold my attention enough to be like, who cares, you know, but I'm in a, I'm in a playoff pool. So I, I was like paying a bit of attention because I wanted to see, you know, my players get some points and stuff. And Vancouver, I, I don't like Vancouver. So I kind of hate watched the Vancouver Vegas series a little <laughs> bit too. Like I, I think I watched most of like I watched most of that series, I would say. But yeah, like I mean Tampa Dallas, I could probably I could probably count on one hand the number of minutes I've watched either of those teams play. So yeah. that tells I haven't watched any of the Stanley Cup final so far. And yeah, I don't know. It just it, it, it's I think it's it's less of a bubble thing and more of a time of year thing. That's yes. really like throwing me off. I just like I don't need to sit in my house and and it's not like I'm some big outdoorsy guy, but there's just something about sitting in your house in August watching hockey that I just don't, I don't need that in my life. You know what? How, how have you guys been feeling about it? I've yeah, I've been like, I, I said it kind of on the last pod we had, but it's like, man, it's just like this getting this like fatigue that like happens usually around even just like these time in playoffs. Anyways, like you always see a dip totally. in like conference finals aren't really, watched a whole lot and then it's like goes up a little bit of the cup final but it's like i watched the first round i was like i did it for like i tried to watch as many teams as i can kind of like a broad 
one of those like dumb idiots that tries to like be a fan of every team of like yeah just like uh yeah so i just watched as much as i could and then lately i just haven't i think i've watched one of the cup final games but it's just like it's a timing thing too and just like it doesn't happen it's not every day kind of like a routine where it's like oh it'll be on and then just whatever well, I think too, like your your point is well made there as well. Like even in the regular NHL, like I mean, we had a break, but like they're definitely in a regular NHL season. By the time May rolls around, you're, if, if your team's not in yeah. it, you're like, am I still wa- am I still want to watch hockey? Like I, because I'm 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 one of those freaks that I definitely don't follow all the teams, but I watch pretty much every Leafs game. So. Like, by the time, if, you know, the Leafs have gone out in the first round the last few years, so, like, by the time I've watched whatever, let's say I watch, if the Leafs play 90 games, including the playoffs, I probably watch at least half of 70 to 75 of them. By the time that's over, I don't need to watch St. Louis play Arizona in the second (laughs) round of the playoffs. Like, I just, my itch has been scratched for a while, you know, so. And I'm also, like, I'm in a very, very deep fantasy hockey pool that's very serious and so like i i tend to like once the leafs are done i'm just like i'm already getting primed for my fantasy draft and i'm like (laughs) thinking about prospects and like so i i'm uh, my mind's gone so this year's kind of no exception that way the leafs went out i watched a little bit of the first round just because it was on like all day every day it was impossible not to watch some and then and then yeah my interest has really waned as it's gone on yeah well speaking of i guess uh I don't know, instant reaction and stuff that, uh, there was a TSN poll earlier today or oh, the other yeah. day. And it said, it was basically what, uh, Canadian team is going to end the, end Canada's cup drought. God. And then it had the Canucks, no recency bias at all. Canucks top with 31 Canadians, Oilers, then the Leafs, then Ottawa, Winnipeg and flames last. Imagine putting the, like, I mean, this just doesn't, <laughs> Was this a poll of fa- this was a poll of fans? I'm, right? Yeah, I I wouldn't say this is like Bob be. McKenzie be, be like, yeah. Oh my god, because this is the type of thing that Canucks fans would do. They'd be like, hey, listen, look at this Twitter poll. We gotta go. Hey, we gotta go vote. Um, <laughs> the I mean the Canadians. Like, what planet are you living on? Um, I mean, we're guilty of this too. But I mean, at least. Austin and Mitch and Willie have all turned out to be fantastic players. Like Suzuki, come on. Kotkaniemi, they're like 60-point <laughs> guys. Slow, let's slow down, all right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the Canucks thing is crazy because I actually think this year was the Canucks' best chance of winning. Yes. Oh, for sure. Like, they have one more year left of Pedersen and Hughes on entry-level deals. Both of those guys are getting mad. Both of those guys are getting 10. Yeah. yeah. So, like... I, and, and they want to re-sign Markstrom. They're gonna. He's not getting less than five, so they want to re-sign Markstrom. So they'll re-sign him for like five mil, whatever. They're playing. They're paying Tyler Myers six mil. They still got two more years of that Louis Erickson deal at six mil. Then in a year, Pedersen and Hughes are going to be twenty mil combined, probably, or somewhere around there, eighteen to twenty. So it's like. And then JT Miller is like, is he ever going to have a year like that again? I mean, I don't. You know. <laughs> Like, JT Miller got a heart vote. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I mean, so, and they, they're saying they want to re-sign Toffoli. So they're going to have these kind of, like, some older guys that are overpaying, like Toffoli and Myers. You know, Horvat will probably end up being their only value contract. Besser right. makes about what he should. Horvat should be paid probably a million or two more. 
So when when of all your like good players, Horvat's the only guy you're getting a deal on. Uh, that's not a great sign, you know. So like my my friend, I, I have a good friend who really pointed that out to me. He's a he's a big Canucks fan, but he's like a reasonable Canucks fan. And he was like, it's really funny to me that people are like, oh, Vancouver's window's opening. He's like, I think Vancouver's window is closing. Uh, especially because like Benning has shown that his pro scouting is brutal. Like yeah. look at all the signings that Jim Benning has made. Like people are like, oh, he took Pedersen fifth. What a genius. Yeah, well, he took Vertanen seventh. So like, <laughs> you know, he took Ulevi fifth over Matthew Kachuk. Like right now the Canucks could have Matthew Kachuk, William Nylander, and... <laughs> Uh, and Hughes and Pedersen and Besser. Like, so it's just like, it's so funny to me that like, if you look at all the pro level signings Benning's made, it's like Erickson, Beagle, Roussel, Schaller, Myers. Like the guy cannot pick pro players if his life depended on it. So yeah. I, I think this idea of like, oh, Pedersen and Hughes are so good. Their window's opening. It's like, yeah, maybe their window's opening if their GM knows what the fuck he's doing, but he doesn't. So... <laughs> You're screwed. Like I don't, and don't get me wrong. Pedersen and Hughes are a pleasure to watch play. God, it's awesome. I, when you have to go watch a team you hate, uh, if you want to go watch an NHL game, it's really beautiful if they have good players on their team. But like, man alive, I, I, I just don't get it, you know. I, and Leafs fans, you know, Canucks fans give me shit. Like when Matthews was lighting it up in his first year, Canucks fans were giving me shit. Oh, you think Austin's so fucking good, blah blah blah, and it's like, yeah, but now you guys are doing the same thing and worse. Like it yeah. just and, and Austin you know, got better. And Austin <laughs> is be- Austin is the probably the well, he's in the top five in the league anyway. It's like I I don't know. It's just I don't. It's just so strange to me. I I don't know what they think is happening, but the goaltending thing frustrates me to no end because where I I recognize that Markstrom was lights out this year. He was fantastic. You yeah, still got totally. Thatcher Demko. Got to figure that situation out at some point or another. You know, yeah. you've got you you've got some guys you know that are that are going to be pushing for jobs next year. And, and I will say that Jim Benning's strength is definitely in amateur scouting because it's to your point, sure as fuck not in pro scouting. Yeah, um, and it's it's you know Thomas, you said it too. It's like this recency bias. TSN. Uh, you know, coming with all the hot takes for the Leafs to be fourth. And listen, uh, the three of us are as Leaf fans. Thomas, I don't know what side you're on. These sure, days. whatever. It's just late. Hard, hard, hard <laughs> to hard to yeah. do that. But just the yeah. thought that 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 even Edmonton could be a, ahead of us now. And Montreal, oh Edmonton and, and Montreal, Montreal right. ahead of us is hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. Oh it's, my god. Yeah, it's, it's like it's yeah, very. Like, it, well, and it's really funny because if you did this poll a year ago, would Winnipeg be in first? Probably, yeah, yeah. right? Like, you know, so a year ago, Winnipeg is the best Canadian team and everyone's like, holy shit, Winnipeg, look at them go. And now Winnipeg's like last and people are like, oh, they're fucking washed. They're going to trade line A. You know, they've got no <laughs> D left. I mean, it's not their fault that Bufflin just decided to, he'd rather be fat than play. But like, um, <laughs> it just is such a weird, like, it's just so funny to me, yeah, it's total recency bias. It's like, well, the Canucks made the second round, so by virtue of that, they're the closest. Like, they got the closest, so... <laughs> Especially that's, like, this yeah. year, like, seeing, like, the stars do what did what they yes. did, or, like, so far, and it's like, yeah, literally anyone can make it. Like, literally anyone can make a cup final. <laughs> totally. Like, it's like, honestly, it's just... And even, like, last year, like, the Flames, you could have put them, like, near the top. Oh, for sure. With, like, sure. everything, yeah. and then now they're, like, getting nothing, and it's like... Yeah. It's definitely just people like seeing whatever's closest or yeah, totally. Man, 
it's it's, it's hard to wild. stay on top of i will say because the the bias is so very real now that said if the leafs do have a as crazy off season as we've all been promised over the last five years <laughs> are there any uh are there any moves that you're anticipating john or any that you'd be really excited about I'd be excited about Petrangelo, but it's not happening. Um, that's just Petrangelo's just trying to get paid from St. Louis. Anyone, anyone who thinks that Petrangelo is going to be a Leaf is a mark. They're a fucking mark. Uh, they're getting taken by Petrangelo's agent and the Toronto media. Petrangelo will it's... never wear a Leafs jersey, ever. Not in my lifetime. However, that would be like the dream, I think. It just, it's hard because it's like, I, do, I don't have any problem with the contracts the Leafs gave their top four guys, but it does make it really hard to build a team when the cap doesn't go up. So it's like Myrtle had a really good point on the Leaf report today. He's like, you know, he's like, okay, so say you get rid of Freddie and you get rid of one of Kerfoot or Janssen, then you could afford Petrangelo. But then it's like, who is your depth? Like you, get, you have not like it. He's like, it's really hard to build a team when you're paying your top five players $50 million. Like... And that's just the truth of it. So it's like, you know, if they trade Janssen or Kerfoot, then their third line next year is like Kerfoot, Robertson, Engvall. And then their fourth line, and like, that's not, I mean, it might be good. It might be good, but it, I mean, it probably won't be great, you know? So it's like, but does having Petrangelo back there negate you needing to have like a great third line? I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, I think, yeah, building around the edges is going to be very difficult, um, for it for them so well and especially yeah. like it might be recency bias too coming from me but it's like you saw columbus islanders and dallas even go and it's like okay then you see that hockey's like more of a weakling sport uh, more than anything right now like yeah. you're seeing these teams that are so might not have like crazy high-end talent like especially dallas columbus and islanders but it's like and then they have just decent players you yeah. just need like good above average or even average to above average players playing and a then, good system. Yeah. And yeah. then it just, and I think Keith could do that with like decent talent. And then you just, so I'm thinking it's like, honestly, you just don't have CC and get like a couple more defensemen and maybe that like finished dude will be decent, but yeah. 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 No, totally. It's so that's the thing. I mean, he's really the only guy that I would love to see just from a just from a purely like he's a great hockey player standpoint and we've never had a good right pair D for Morgan Riley. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. They're definitely going to sign a couple D. Hopefully they're good. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a crazy offseason honestly. I think most likely I think Freddie's gone. They've already written way too much about him being gone for him not to be gone. The only thing I'd worry about is that we're going to replace him with Matt Murray. Um, <laughs> and I, I think Matt Murray could be good, but I also think if you're going to trade Fred to pay Matt Murray $5 million a year, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. If you can get yeah. Matt Murray for like $2 million, then sure, happy birthday, sign me up. But like, I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, so okay, we get rid of Fred, we sign Matt Murray for $5 mil, we maybe trade Janssen. Or maybe we maybe we trade the fir uh, first rounder we got from Pittsburgh to get someone, and then we sign Radko Gudis or something, and then we just cross our fingers and pray like every year. <laughs> That's all we do. That's all you can. I think we That's the thing with the NHL. There's nothing else you can do. Yeah. I mean, even an amazing team on paper doesn't mean shit. I mean, yes, Tampa Bay is definitely the best team in the league, and they're probably going to win the cup. But that doesn't happen very often in the NHL. 
So and and that case in point, Tampa Bay last year they probably had the yeah. best team in the NHL and they yeah. lost in four games to Columbus. So it's like you know that's all you can really do with the Leafs too. Like we could go into next season where I'm like, I love every move Kyle Dubas made in the offseason. He did everything I wanted him to do. I'm so excited about the team, and we can miss the playoffs. Who knows, right? So, I don't know. It's true, and we got to wait another, at least another week or so before we see all the teams overreact and try and mirror whatever Tampa or Dallas did, right? Like, (laughs) I am fully preparing myself in the next, I don't know, three to six months to just see this defense-first hockey clogging the neutral zone. The systems are going to just be so fucking boring. And and I like defensive hockey. I don't have an issue with that. It's more so that it's everybody just trying to find, like, the right cookie-cutter guy that's going to play this particular role. Uh, And, you know, I I like – the the prospect of the Leafs getting a couple of guys that are a little bit uh, rough around the edges. Like I liked Kyle Clifford. I thought that the the fourth line with him on it, although they weren't always super productive, they were at least fun to watch. And I've I've learned that as I you know work in hockey and enjoy hockey as a fan and, and try and be objective, there are moments where I'm just like, is the product that I'm watching enjoyable? You know what I mean? I don't know if you Not guys when have Columbus felt like was that. playing. Oh my god! No, like, whatever you need to do to make that outlawed. I mean, that was a nightmare to watch. Just brutal. Yeah. And like, as a hockey, like you know, the guys on Columbus couldn't be happy playing that way. You know, it's no. like we we we'd always say this in curling too. Like, you know, in in, in curling, you there's like a strategy where you can just kind of try to keep things open and, and just try and like hit everything that's in play and just to try to keep the game as close as you can for as long as you can. And it's just so boring to play. And you know that like curling teams who do play like that, they're just playing not to lose. They're not playing to win right. and they're playing to try not to lose. And you know that there's always guys on those curling teams who don't really want to play that way, but the skips decided that that's how they need to play to win. So they're just going to play that way. And it's like, it's so brutal. And Columbus, it felt like the same thing. It's like, how do you have pride in yourself if you play for Columbus like that? Like, that's going to be the most boring thing on earth, turning everyone on their team into, like, the same hockey-playing robot. Let Texier cook, baby. I want to see those French hands. Let's go, yes. you know? It's like, I just, yeah, it, it pissed me off so much. I I was so thrilled when Tampa beat the piss out of them. I Just watching them play was a, just a nightmare. The Islanders were bad, but, like, at least the Islanders have, like, engaging players to watch, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. Columbus has nothing, man. It was just, oh, it was, it was rough. It was a rough time. Well, and, and like, I love the, I like you're talking about like copying the system. My favorite part that's come out so far is this like retconning of Zach Bogosian. That's been like oh the funniest. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Oh no, he's good Ooh. now. He couldn't make Buffalo. He couldn't fucking make Buffalo. He was w- yeah. too bad for Buffalo's defense. And yeah. then he gets put beside Hedman or Sergachev, propping his ass up. And then they're like, whoa, maybe Bogosian. I mean, what, look at this. What a <laughs> maybe, player. Maybe, maybe, maybe oh. Bogosian. And you're like, no, well, Bogosian. He's bad. Right. How about the retconning of Shattenkirk? Well, that too. Everyone, yeah. like, well, that that's even was... like, now I'm seeing people like on Rangers Twitter be like, oh, it was a mistake to buy out Shattenkirk. And like, they should have traded Truba away. Like, they should never have acquired Truba. I'm like, okay, like, sure, some stats or whatever, but it's like age, contract, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But Plus, it's like, you're the Rangers. You got three of the best D-men <laughs> in the whole league. You got two of the best yeah. young D-men in the league, and you got Jacob Truba. 
And so yeah. you're so that so you're mad? Oh, we should have kept Shattenkirk. Why? So that <laughs> Adam Fox could play another year at Harvard? Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, oh. it might mean that you would get to fire Tony D'Angelo into the sun, which I <laughs> wholeheartedly fingers crossed. Oh, yeah. We can only oh, yeah. hope, you know. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, like that's crazy to me. If you're a Rangers fan and your take on the playoffs is we should have kept Shattenkirk at six million a year or whatever he was making, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh my god. I was like, yeah, I can't Those wait are... for like ninth place. It's gonna be great. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, well, I hate like, it. It's gonna be great. I think just personally for like. I'm sure all three of us feel the same way, but it'd be like weird, but this weird like emotion seeing Luke Shen lift the cup. Yeah. I'm down. He but seems like a I great know. guy. Everything like, you heard everything you heard from him like being in Vancouver, because he was in Vancouver last year. Right. And yeah. everything you heard was just like how great of a guy he was and he just like has a really good attitude about his whole career and I'm about I'm all about it. I'm fine with it. Luke Shen, get a cup. I would have been it's weird because I always really liked Kadri, but that would have pissed me off if Colorado won a little bit. I don't know why. Yeah. There's just something about it that would have pissed me off a bit. But Luke Shen, go on and get your cup, son. Yeah. Maybe and like Kessel, like, like I loved when Kessel yeah. got the cup. I loved it. I was so happy. That was like amazing. I was like, get your cup, baby. But there's, I don't know what it is, but there's some guys I just, I don't want them to get their cup if they leave. It was the like Leafs. the Kadri trade was supposed to fix the Leafs. And yes, exactly. That must be <laughs> like, what it is. And then now you're seeing like the yeah. end result. Leo Komarov after. would have pissed me off too. Like I don't, I don't oh, want to see Matt okay. Martin or yeah. Leo Komarov get a cup. I don't want any. Lou <laughs> Lamorello like you know. trotting around yes. just on the ice, just hugging them. I want none of that. Lamorello won GM of the year. What the that, fuck is yeah. that? Yeah, it's crazy. It's absurd. <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a bit of a spicy take, and then that'll be it for me. Thomas might have another couple questions for you, John. But <laughs> okay. um, let me just share this with you. I want to know if I'm being irrational or, or you know, okay. not not super reasonable right now. Based on the way that Tampa Bay has been playing, is it unreasonable of me to want to see Headman get called to get the cup and not Stamkos because he hasn't really been around? I feel like this is Victor Headman's team right now. Was it weird, or is it weird? I guess it was weird when they won the Eastern Conference that Stamkos came out, and I know he's you know he's had such terrible injuries and all of these things. If he is injured, and correct me if I'm wrong, boys, because I I genuinely don't know if the injury's back because I know he missed a bunch of the game last night. Would it be like I kind of want to see Hedman go up and get get the cup? Is that is that mean spirited? Like how how should I feel? I don't think it's mean spirited. I don't think it'll happen. I think they're going to give it to Stamkos. Yeah. Even if he's not playing, he'll have the jersey on. He'll walk out and he'll lift the cup. Or like I could see even Stamkos doing the like, oh no, Hedman, you go. Yes. Or something yes. like that. doing that That's whole thing one. and making a performance. Like yes, the first right, like he defers to Hedman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. Hedman's been playing out of his mind. Out of his mind. Yeah. He doesn't. Hedman makes no sense. No one who is as big as Hedman should move like Hedman. It doesn't make any sense at no. all to me. He's... Well, like, and I've like briefly tweeted about it before, but it was like I've always just felt hesitant to just be like label Hedman as a very good defenseman because he's just so like I don't know big and like I felt like oh whatever he's immobile. But then you watch him and it's like this dude is just insane. And then you look at every like number and. It's just like unreal of just how he's able to do everything that he does. He's nuts. It's yeah. He's so good. I love Hedman. He's a good guy. I hope he gets the cup. If uh, <laughs> if Hedman could be represented by a new metal song, what song would it be? Oh, 
Well, I mean, there are definitely like a few like Swedish metal bands, not so much new metal. I mean, there I guess Meshuggah, some people would say is new metal, but um, Headman as a new metal song. Ooh, it's a great question. Uh, I'm here for the for the good questions, John. Like, I know, I can tell, I can tell, and I appreciate <laughs> and I appreciate that. Uh, we'll just go. We'll just go with. Uh, we'll go with uh, Rammstein, Du Hast. Even though it's yes. German, it's not Swedish, but it's European. It's heavy. It's scary. That's how I feel about Headman. I could see Drysaddle wheeling around to that song. Oh, no I feel question. Like people hate him right now. Oh, you know, winning those. Drysaddle's all about it. Week. He's all about it. Drysaddle loves Rammstein. No question about it. Easy. Um, I lied. I have one more new metal question <laughs> okay, for you. Done. And then, because I know we've taken up a lot of your time, but so when you were talking about your co-host, and forgive me, I can't remember his name on the new metal podcast. Brian, what's his name again? Brian. Yeah. So, do you ever? So, you're not too much older than me. I'll be 32 in a, in a couple of months. Okay. Um, we largely missed seeing those bands live, yes. right? Yeah. So, are there any of those bands that you're like, that's the band that I would see live if I had the opportunity to? And with some of these bands still sort of around, yep. <laughs> would it be weird for you to see one of those bands now, knowing that it's not really what it was like when no. your fandom began? I gotta see. Band? I gotta see Corn. I was gonna go see them this summer, and then COVID happened. But I, I've never seen Corn. I got to see him. And Brian told me, so Brian's obviously seen them a ton of times. And he said that Corn was actually really bad for like, they would only play their new stuff. So he's yeah. like, you know, you, you, he, like he saw them in like 2016 or something like that. And they had just put out an album and they played like a ton of stuff off of that album. And he's like, <laughs> it's not the set list that you would want to see if you're like paying to see Corn in a stadium kind of thing. And then... Um, he saw them this year and he said this was the first time he's ever seen them where they've just like leaned into like a greatest hit set and they only played okay. like three songs off of their new album and they played like all their greatest hits and they skipped the like Skrillex phase of their career and stuff which is cool so yeah so I would love to see Korn that they'd be like close to the top I have seen Limp Bizkit I've seen Linkin Park I've seen Deftones a bunch of times yeah. I've seen Deftones like five or six times um, I've seen System of a Down. Uh, I've seen Incubus a couple times. So like I've seen most of the like new metal bands I like. I've never seen Slipknot. I feel like that would be a bit of a wild show. But I'm not Slipknot. I really only listen to their first like two albums. And Slipknot have like twelve albums now. Like they're it's yeah. their their longevity is crazy. So like seeing a Slipknot show, I don't think would like blow my mind anymore in the way that it maybe would have back in the day. But Corn is like. At the time, I mean, I've been pretty lucky. I'm a huge music fan. Uh, we're very close to Seattle here, so um, yeah. So I actually grew up in a border town. So I, I lived right on the BC Washington border. So where I grew up was like a two hour drive to Seattle. So I've been lucky. I've seen pretty like pretty much every band I like. I've seen, um, which is really cool. The, the the list of bands I'm like dying to see is very short, but Corn would be at or the top of that list for sure. Did you have any other? That. Did you have any other shows that were canceled because of COVID? That I was going to? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Or hopefully. I was, I was bummed. Why Oak is probably my favorite band. Oh. And uh, they were doing a tour where they were actually like adding to the band. They Because like, they're a two-piece. And they've been touring with a bassist for the last like two tours. Um, so, But still only a three-piece. And then they were adding three multi-instrumentalists and doing this like kind of like different takes on their songs and, and everything. And that was in Seattle. We had tickets to that. 
missed it, so that sucked. Um, well, it got canceled. Um, Great Grandpa were supposed to play here, and I really liked that okay. album from last year. Uh, I had tickets to, or I was going to go see Corn. I was debating seeing Alanis Morissette, uh, even though I, I have seen her before, but it's like the Jagged I, Little Pill 20th anniversary <laughs> tour, so I was debating going to see that. I had tickets to that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, I was also debating the, I think it was called the Hella Mega Tour, the Green Day Weezer Fallout Boy one. Oh my God. I've seen all three of those bands before, but I mean, how do you not go to that? Um, and I had tickets to Deftones, but the Deftones show has been rescheduled for a year in September, like a year now. Okay. Um, so we'll see if that actually happens, but I do still have tickets to it. But yeah, I think those are the ones that like I actually like had tickets to and was excited for. Was My Chemical Romance going out to Vancouver? No, they weren't. No. Oh. Were you? Did you have tickets to that one in TO? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think it was like yeah, it was an October show, so it was supposed to happen recently. Oh. And then I think I don't know if they're moving it or anything, but yeah. I really so. Fun fact, like I was very, we talk about this on the POD cast a lot, but like, and you guys obviously coming up in the hardcore scene and stuff, it was like those scenes back then were very much like, if you didn't like a band, it was a, it was a hate. You hated them. And that was like a point of pride was like hating bands. So MCR was one of those bands for me that like, I just, I hated them. Like, cause I went from new metal to screamo and MCR was kind of getting popular at like the tail end of my like screamo phase. So uh, to me, they were like, you know, look at these, look at these wimps. They're dressing up at the makeup and they're dressing up in marching band <laughs> uniforms. Fuck this shit. But I loved Circus Survive. So MCR had a, sh- had a tour where the Circus Survive was opening for them. And I bought tickets, watched Circus Survive and left. And now, wow. and now looking, <laughs> That's the move. well, but now looking back where I like have a way more open mind and I'm an older dude, I'm like, how did you miss MCR? And it was the welcome to the black parade tour. I'm like, oh how'd you God. miss MCR on that tour? <laughs> I just laughed. I fucking left. For, I went to see Circus Survive and I left. <laughs> That's really funny, man. But, but you know what? I will say this, like I've seen MCR a handful of times. They were great. I only, I actually stopped. This is a weird take, but. I started to like really hate their pivot when Black Parade came out. I won't listen to that album. Okay. The first the first two albums though are like classics sure. for me. Yeah. Love sure, both yeah. of those albums. And I hope, Thomas, that when you see MCR and John, when you see Corn, it's nothing like my experience of seeing Marilyn Manson in Oshawa about <laughs> oh. 10 or so that's years a combination ago. that's yeah, a that's, combination i mean that feels like where Marilyn manson belongs yeah because <laughs> let me tell you it was the most it was genuinely the saddest thing i've oh, ever seen no. and there's two bands one of them that i haven't seen and i understand they may have been a topic on one of your most recent uh pod episodes because i saw somebody tweeting about it when i came across the feed this afternoon um Marilyn manson was uh, when he was going through some real dark, like alcoholism, substance abuse stuff, like would stop singing the song halfway through and just kind of like hump shit. And that's kind of par for the course with Marilyn Manson. But I was supposed to see uh, Rob Zombie, like, when was it? A couple of years ago. And my experience with Marilyn Manson was so bad that I canceled the tickets (laughs) last minute. My wife and I were going to go. Because I love White Zombies, one sure. of my favorite bands. Rob Zombie, Hellbilly Deluxe, one of my favorite albums sure. of all time. 
So the thought that I might even have a little bit of that, because I can't listen to Marilyn Manson anymore. Like, I he can't listen it. to Antichrist Superstar right. and think of this fucking 45-year-old sure. man, like, debilitated on the ground, right? right? So I hope Jonathan Davies is just fucking giving her. He still her, you is. Know what he's I mean? good. He's he in sounds a good, good man. He looks good. He sounds good. He's ready to rock, man. And, and you know, it's cool, though. You actually got, you were like 10 years ahead of canceling Marilyn Manson. So that's, you actually looked really <laughs> prescient. And that's Thank how you, you should sell it to people. You should be like, actually, I had heard, <laughs> I'd heard some stuff about him and Evan Rachel Wood back in 2010, and it really disturbed me. Yeah. And I just, I can't even yeah. listen to him anymore. Nope, can't do it anymore. So. But, um, yeah, I, I don't want that for White Zombie. The one concert I was supposed to go to this summer was Nickelback. Oh, baby. And Robin and I were talking about just going and getting absolutely yeah, of course. fucking shattered. And then we were going to stay at like a real swanky hotel Smart. in Toronto and just live it up. Live it and up. It got Do the Nickelback. Live so. the like ro- a rock star. The rock star. Yay, yeah. There it is. Make sure you You're take lots right. of photographs. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was like uh, my uh, Adam Christie is a comedian in Toronto and a good buddy of mine. And, and he, his like hottest take is like no one on earth can say that they don't like Nickelback because there's no way that you wouldn't have so much fun at one of their shows. And he's right. like, anyone on right. earth. He's like, you you cannot tell me you don't like Nickelback because I guarantee you if you went to Nickelback, you'd be like, this is the greatest night of my entire life. <laughs> and I'm like, right. I kind of agree. Yeah. yeah. So. And that was kind of the whole thought process is the tickets weren't like, and I mean, I only know the hits. Yeah, so I'll but be whatever, kind of you know, and you know Nickelback, they're playing the hits. You're not, it's not like <laughs> oh, you're going to get, sure. it's not like you're going to go and Chad's like, oh, we don't play How You Remind Me anymore. Like, there's no <laughs> yeah, way. Right. He's not Adam Duritz <laughs> right. from Counting Crows. There you go. Well, Thomas, <laughs> do you have any more questions for John? No, I'm good. Oh, hockey, new metal, and comedy day. Yeah. I hope I hope that your expectation wasn't we were just going to talk about sports because I was absolutely I had no expe- I had no tonight. expectation at all I knew literally then nothing about your show no just kidding that's uh, how we no live. I love that that's, <laughs> why. Well, I, uh, that's the way we like it to be no baby. it's no it's all good uh, I'm I'm happy to talk about anything so it was it, I mean all those are all things in my wheelhouse so it wasn't like I was having a particularly difficult time. What if we had been like so my mom is a diehard curling fan nice. I know you're you're very into curling. Yeah. I was thinking maybe we could talk about that, but then I was like, I don't know anything about Smart. curling, so that could go off track very. <laughs> bring quickly. Joan on. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Exactly. Bring bring <laughs> your mom on. Me Just and your mom will do an episode of Hosers together. There we go. Uh, she would be <laughs> thrilled to hear that, John. <laughs> but um, what uh, what can you plug for us on the way out, John? We really appreciate. Hey, your no time, problem. Man. Thanks for having fun. me, guys. Uh, it's been a blast. I yeah. So I do have an album coming out on Comedy Records. It's called Long Stories for No Reason. It's out on October sixteenth. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Cullen the Comic to get all of the information uh, about that, or just put it in your calendar, or whatever. Just download it. It's a fun time. I think I think everyone will enjoy it. And uh, yeah, we've already talked all about my podcast. You know what they're all about. You can follow them on Twitter at Block Parties at Block Party Pod. And the POD cast is at the POD underscore Cast, and we spell Cast with a K like corn. That's all. That's all you need to know. Perfect. Yeah, you yeah, do. We do. Yeah, Rock you do. Rock on, baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Well, like we said, uh, thanks for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, Thomas, I I really need, I know you're younger than John and I are, but I think we've given you some homework. Um, (laughs) You'll be listening to I'm I'm too busy with the U's, Silverstein, all that stuff. That's fair. That's totally fair. 
you'll have to listen to Stain's uh, B-sides before you go to bed tonight, <laughs> and uh, we'll figure it out. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Takeoff Hosers. Uh, rate and review the podcast would be great. We're always looking for some uh, insults thrown Thomas's way, not my way or Carter's way. Thanks, so yeah. keep that in mind. Thomas, you do look like a serial killer for the record. Mm. And um, that'll be the end. So thanks for checking it out, guys. And we will see you next week. Have a good one. See ya. But do you think we can fly?